Good morning, everyone. I hope you have a wonderful day. We continue. We left off. We started yesterday practicing Megillah. Perfect preparation for the next upcoming holiday, Purim. And we left off the third line from the bottom on the second page, Beis Amad Beis. Since he quoted since he quoted so he and so he repeats. He says another thing that they said because we don't have too many things from them. Mem and the Nun and the Tzaddik and the Pei and the Chav that these are double letters in other words you have the regular letter and then you have the, when it's at the end of the word it changes its form its shape a Mem Seifis a Nun Seifis Tzaddik Seifis Pei and, and Chav so this is so the, the the fact that these letters change change at the end at the end when they're placed at the end of the word this is an enactment by the seers by the prophets mm-hmm. in the beginning in the beginning the letters did not look any different they were like any other letter it doesn't matter if it's the beginning of the word these these five letters also it doesn't matter if they're in the beginning or if they were at the end of the word. But the prophets, they enacted that when these five letters at the end of the word, they change a sign. Kabbalistically, mm-hmm. this is the idea of the five gevuris. Gevuris means it limits, it defines. So it comes to the end of the word, it comes to a stop, like a short stop. Mm-hmm. You know it's the end of the word. It, it, it concludes the word and separates this word from the next word. Mm-hmm. So you have these five letters, mansepach, mem, nun, And the tzaddik pechachav. He turns the letters around. It doesn't go in order. It doesn't say man patzach, man tzapach. should have said the order. Kim man patz. The chaf is at the end. So he wants to hint that this was done by the pra- by the seers. Man tzapach is seifim. Min seifim. Min seifim. That's how Taisus explains. Mm-hmm. She says, the prophets of the generations. In other words, it didn't happen in one time, in one generation. Over time, over the generations, it happened. In other words, each prophet instituted one letter. Over the course of time, between, between a few prophets, they enacted all these five letters. Okay. You might ask, but uh, how could you say that? How could you say that this is an act of the prophets? But if it says, Elam mitzvahs, these are the mitzvahs at the end of Leviticus. From now on, a prophet is not allowed to make any innovations in the Torah. Only Moshe Rabbeinu. The Torah, only Moshe can make innovations in the Torah and the mitzvahs. A prophet is there to encourage us to, 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 to observe, but he can't. To prophesize the future, but you can't make any changes in Torah mitzvahs. How could you say that the prophets innovated Mansapah? In addition, he says that the Mem and the Samach were miraculous because, because, because it was, since the whole thing was etched, it was hollowed out. 
So all the other letters have something to 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 hang on. But mem and sama are hanging in the air. Mm. What? The donut holes. And that's only which mem are we talking about? They must be talking about the final mem. Only a final mem is like a box. A regular mem has something to hang on. It's attached. A samach is like a circle. So, so, so it wasn't. It wasn't the bagel hole. It was actually a letter. It wasn't just the hole. You can say the, the hole. That's the letter. No, it was actually a letter. But the letter had to be around. It was carved from all sides, through and through, from all sides. So what was it hanging? It was like it was like hanging in the middle of the air. Yeah, it was like a round thing. It was hanging in the air and went along the lufas. The samach and the final mem. So we see that they did have the final mem. So Rashi asked, "Why don't the answer simply? Who says? Who says when he said?" Rabbi said, "Not the the double mems and the double nuns and the double tzaddik and the double pain was instituted by the prophets." Who said he's referring to the final letter? Maybe he's referring to the on the contrary, the original, the letter when it's in the, in, the, in the word, in the middle of the word. Maybe he changed that. In the beginning, all five letters, no matter where it was placed in the word, was always look like a saf mem, a mem sofit." It wasn't the mem sofit, that's how all the mems look like. And then they enacted that it should be a distinction. If it's the middle of the word, then it should be written differently. So then it's no question from the luchis. Because the luchis, all the mems were that way, and all the nuns were that way, and all the tzatik. So Rashi says he could have answered that, but the answer is a better answer. <laughs> So the Gemara answers, in your right, Mahava Hava. Really, the, the fact that these five letters are double, two ways of writing them, it depends on where they're placed in the word, was there from the beginning, from, from Sinai. But Le'ave Yadi, the only thing that we didn't know, we knew that there's a double letter. We weren't sure which shape letter is in the, is in the middle of the word and which shape letter do you use. Which mem do you use if it's in the middle of the word? Which mem do you use if it's in the end of the word? And then the prophets came and they enacted the open ones are in the middle of the word. And the closed, the closed mem and the closed the closed mem is safe table. Okay, but still in all, safe, safe. At the end of the day, you know, he didn't answer the question. How could they enact it? How could they change it? Maybe they're mistaken. The prophet doesn't have the power to change any one iota in the Torah. So how can they? Maybe it was the opposite. Maybe the letter that they chose to be at the end, the closed mem, was really meant to be at the beginning of the mem. It's not in your power to change that. That they forgot. In the beginning, the Gemara thought that we never knew. We weren't told. We didn't know. Even though it's very difficult. Why don't you just look, look in the luchas? <laughs> it's in the yard. And you can take a look. Take a peek. Mm-hmm. Ask the high priest when he goes and <laughs> take a peek so you know what it is. Look in the Torah. Look in the Torah the way it was written. Moshe wrote a Torah. 
What's the question? Some want to say Le means it wasn't set. Not that they didn't know. It was never established. You could do this way, you could do that way. So the prophets came and they established a rule. If it's in the middle of the word, it has to be an open mem. And if it's at the end of the word, it has to be an open mem. Who gave them the right to make such an enactment? They didn't have the power. So that's what he said. No, it was established, but they forgot. And the prophets came and reminded us the way it was. Not that they're creating it, innovating. Not innovating anything. They're just re-establishing the way it was. That's right. Pretty much put it all together. No, no. The prophets say. Another thing, Rabbi another The interpretation of the Torah and the Targum, the Aramaic, uncles, the nephew of the emperor, the gay, the convert, again. So he said it, and he heard it from the name of Rabbi Lezer. He was a student of Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Yeshua, and he interpreted the Targum Shal Nevi'im, and the Targum, the, the translation of the Nevi'im into Aramaic, Yenusim and Azil, Yenusim and remember, in Sukkah, right, was the greatest student of Hillel. Hillel had 80 students. Yeah. Rabbi Yechem and Zakeh was the least, the <laughs> lowest, and he was the leader of the Jewish people and carried them through the temple, destruction of the temple. And the greatest was Rabbi Yenusim and Azil. When he studied Torah, it was so holy, any bird that would pass by would be burnt because it was so holy. So Yenusim and Azil is the one who it, it translated the wow. prophets into Aramaic. From the mouth, not that he was alive, in Malachi, but the tradition that he heard from Chagi, Zechariah, uh, and Malach. When he translated the Torah, the whole Israel trembled, shook. 400 parsa and four, by 400 parsa, the entire land and its width and its breadth. Right. Which is the whole, whole entire land. 400 parsa by 400 parsa. Huh. Yotza Baske, a heavenly voice came out of heaven. Who is the one who revealed my secrets to people by translating it? He revealed the secrets. I'm guilty as charged. It's revealed and known to you. I didn't know this was my honor. Not for the sake of the honor of my, my, my father's household. I did it for your sake, for your honor. There shouldn't be any arguments. So he translated it in a clear way, so there shouldn't be any arguments. Now that he translated the Torah into the, into the writings, now he wanted to translate the writing. Now he wanted to translate the writings. He translated the prophets. That's enough. Enough. <laughs> this is going too far. So you see, by the way, why? Because in Daniel you have the revelation. Hashem says when Mashiach is going to come. So you're going to translate it and reveal it to everyone. Hashem didn't want. Today's Chumash. We're learning today's Chumash. Yaakov wanted to reveal the Kates to his children when Mashiach is going to come. And the Shekhinah left him. And he realized either he forgot or he, but he, or he, he remembered, but he, he was a sign from heaven. Hashem doesn't want, didn't want Yaakov to reveal when Mashiach has come. It's meant to be hidden. It's one of those secrets. This is the secret, yeah. the ultimate secret. 
But what do we see from here? Whenever there was a revelation of Torah, there was a tremendous opposition. A tremendous opposition to Maimonides, who took the whole entire oral Torah and revealed it and put it together so clearly. Tremendous opposition. Tremendous opposition to, to, to the Vashemta. Revealing Hasidus, revealing the deepest, the gems of the Torah, the crown jewels of the Torah. Tremendous opposition. Tremendous opposition to the Alter Rebbe when he revealed, revealed the Torah. Yeah, exactly. Nobody you know, yeah, when the, the, the biggest, the deepest Maimbarim that ever the Shab wrote, it's called the Hemshech of Tafresh Ayin Bez, it went on for a few years, night from 19, 1912, it was, never, it was never published. It was like, it was like, deepest, deepest, deepest concepts of Hasidism. And then the Rebbe published it, and he, the Rebbe says he's afraid, it's a, it's a tremendous responsibility, and he asked everyone in the crowd to give a dollar, like to participate, so it shouldn't, be the, it shouldn't just be on his shoulders. And a few months later, the Rebbe had, unfortunately, had a, he had a massive heart attack, and Baruch Hashem miraculously totally recovered from it. But, but it, was, it was, you know, the, the, whatever you do something major, you reveal secrets of the Torah, there's a tremendous opposition. You know, you have to be ready to sacrifice yourself. You have to be ready to push. Hashem is waiting for us to, to push, to push the envelope. You know, push the limit to reveal Hashem. It's all about Hashem, We're not doing it for ourselves. But it says, And the translation of the Torah, Uncle Sager said it. It says in Nehemia that they, they read in the book, Mephoidish, explain, they understood the, right, the, 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 the verses. So he explains. Referring to the, the Chumash, the five books of Mesh. Mefudrish explains that Targum. That was a translation. Veshum Seichel Elapsuk. Veshum Seichel refers to to the verses. That the Psukim, the division of the Psukim, how do you divide each Pasuk? In the Torah, there's no Psukim, it's, it's all one, it's written together. So Shum Seichel, how to divide the Psukim? We have Yinuba Mikrail Piske time, they should understand the uh, the reading. This is how these are the timim, the Nagina, the the trap, the uh, the melody, how you're supposed to sing the title, sing the words of the title. Others say, Others say these are the tradition that was handed down, which words have missing a letter, which words have a full uh, full full letters. So it's difficult. You said, Abnirmiya said that Unculus is the one who translated. Unculus, this is Nehemiah. You're talking about f- f- over f- uh, 400 years, 400 years before Unculus. Hmm. Over 400 years before Unculus. Mm-hmm. So how could you say that it was Unculus the one who translated, translated the Torah? Hmm. So you might answer, Shokum v'chazur Yes. It was translated, but they forgot. And Uncleus came and he, he mm-hmm. re- wow. restored it. Hmm. The mother says, Why, when they translated the Torah, Israel didn't tremble. The whole land of Israel didn't tremble. Ah, the Nevi'ah. 
Izdaza, when it came to the, the translating the prophets, all of a sudden Israel started trembling, the whole land of Israel. So it was forgotten and it restarted. So you might ask, why, why are the prophets of Israel, the whole of Israel, the land of Israel, tremble more than the Torah? So you might answer, Torah is very clear. So, so the Targum is not revealing any hidden secrets. Even though there's some sukkim that, we, that are not clear, without the rabbis, without the oral Torah, we wouldn't understand them clearly. But still, the Torah is given to be expounded through the 13, 13 measures. We learned Nabi Shemal in our Siddur class. So it's meant to be revealed and expounded in every way, shape, or form, 13 different ways. So therefore, you're not revealing anything that's secret, but the prophets. The prophets, you're revealing secrets. There are things that are clear, and you can understand without the, the translation. You can be the They're hidden, and maybe they're meant to be hidden. And the Targum reveals their, their, their meaning, and therefore the whole land of Israel trembled. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not so simple. Someone has said, the Peshwar wants to say that the problem, the question the mother had is how could he write it down? How could Uncleus write down? Mm-hmm. The oral title is not meant to be written. Hmm. So you might ask, so why, why, when he wrote, why, why when he wrote, when when Targum Unkelos and he wrote the Targum and the title, why didn't the land shudder, the whole land of Israel shudder? So you might have said, it's not because he wrote it down. Um, thought that, that the problem was and maybe you're going to write all the prophets in Aramaic which you're not allowed to. He says no, the reason why the earth, the earth trembled because it's, he wrote it down and it's the oral title and the oral title you're not allowed to write it's meant to be transmitted orally. Hmm. But the, the, that's what Gimara answers but the written title since it's revealed, it's exposed, you're not revealing any secrets, so it's not considered the oral title. It's not a commentary, it's just a translation. I'm allowed to translate the title into 70 languages. Moshe wrote the title in 70 languages. So I'm writing the title in Aramaic, it's not a problem. But the prophets, which are hidden, so by translating it, it's an it's title Shabbat Peh, it's Pshat, it's not, it's not just a translation, it's not a translation. That you're not allowed to do, that's why Israel, Israel jumped, but he had no choice. He says it, should, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be a machlokes. That's why. That's why Yenisim ben Adir went and translated Riyavu machlokes. It's like Ace Lasses Hashem. If Feder Tzedesecha, the same reason Rebbe wrote the Mishnah, took the oral Torah and wrote it down, because it was an emergency. That's how the Pnei Shur understood. Others, others questioned that and understanding and mutter no. That the question was the problem was that he publicized. Even though he heard it, he translated it based on what he heard from uh, from Chagis Charim Alachi. So they also translated it. So why, why did why when they translated it, Israel Israel didn't tremble and didn't uh, shudder? Only when he because they didn't publicize. They taught it to their students, but he went ahead and publicized it to everyone. <laughs> like Lal Tzedek, they took scissors and published it to everyone. Yeah, no, that, no, he publicized it. That that's that's the problem the Gemara had. 
versus the Torah is revealed in these 13 different ways to expound it, so therefore it doesn't bother us that it was publicized for everyone. You know, the Targum publicized the Torah. The Torah is meant to be publicized. But the prophets, the prophets not. Okay. We do have a Targum in writing, but the Targum that we have in writing was not written by Yenis and Azil. Yenis and Azil, we just learned, that Hashem says you shouldn't do it. And who, who, who wrote the translation we have today in Aramaic? It was done, Taisus writes, it was done by one of the Tanoim. The, the Taisus Arash says that Yenis and Benazil did translate Eev, Job, Proverbs, and Tehillim. Emes. Eev, Mem of Mishli, and Tav of Tehillim. Mother says, It says in Zechariah, one of the last prophets, and that day is going to be a tremendous uh, eulogy in Yerushalayim, morning. In the valley of Megiddo. Without the translation of this Pasuk, of the prophets of Yenisim and Azil, we wouldn't know, Yedana Mekomi, we wouldn't know what this Pasuk is referring to. Mm-hmm. Well, which, which, which eulogy and which mourning is he talking about? Mm-hmm. He's talking about the future. We don't find anywhere Hadrima in the valley of Megiddo. So he says, That day is going to be a tremendous uh, mourning and eulogy. The Kotel Yossi had a dimim and tavarim and Abraham is gilat. Just like they mourn Achav, the king of Israel, and the ten tribes, who had the dimim, the king of Edom, uh, king of Aram, killed him in Ram is gilat. Uchemisbeta the Yeshio, Bar Amen, Yeshio, the son of Amen, the grandson of Manasseh. Yeshio was the last righteous king. The Kotel Yossi Pari Chagira, Bebikis Megiddo. Padre, the, 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 the lame one who limped, he was the one who killed Yeshio, died at a tender age, I think he was 36 or very tender age. And that was the end, that, was the, uh, that doomed the Jewish people to the destruction. 30 years later, the temple was destroyed, and that's what the Yirmiyah mourned by Kainan Yirmiyah, and it's one of the Kinnas, and by Kainan Yirmiyah, he mourned his death. So he's saying, so. So the, 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 in the future, there's going to be a, uh, a eulogy in the morning, just like the eulogy in the morning that happened in times of Achav and in the times of Yeshua. Hadrimen is not the, the morning of Hadrimen. The morning of Achav was killed by Hadrimen. And the morning of Yeshua, which was in the valley of Megiddo. So we learned in Sukkah, two opinions. Either it's referring to Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben Yosef is going to come before Mashiach ben David. He's going to prepare the way for Mashiach ben David. He will be killed. So there's going to be a huge mourning over Mashiach ben Yosef. Or it's going to be over the killing of the Yitzhahar. Okay. But without the interpretation, we wouldn't, we wouldn't make sense of it. It doesn't make any sense. It says it wouldn't even make sense. We have no idea what the Pasuk is referring to. 
Now, since you mentioned Daniel, that, that Hashem didn't allow Yenzel to interpret, the heavenly voice came out and says, Don't. Um, the heavenly voice came out and said that he shouldn't interpret the writings because he should. Why? Because he shouldn't interpret and reveal the meaning in Daniel about when Mashiach is coming. So he continues about Daniel. It says in Daniel, that I saw the vision but those who were with me, like Hanani, they didn't see the vision. But they, they trembled, they felt a, a fear, and they ran away to hide. They ran to hide. Maniu, who I'm not who are these people? I'm Rabbi Yirmiyah. We tell him others. Rabbi Again, another thing that Rabbi Yirmiyah said. Another Rabbi Yirmiyah is a chagis chari malachi. Refers to chagis chari malachi. Oh, sorry, not chari malachi. Zari is chagis chari malachi. Like what? Inu adifuminei v'hiu adifuminayu. Chagis chari malachi were greater than the Neil. They were prophets. So, so the Neil is greater than them. He was able to see, and they were not able to see. So he says, no, in one way, Chagis Chari Malachi were greater than him, and another way, Viyu Adifiminei, another way, Daniel was greater than them. Adifiminei, they were prophets. Daniel was not a prophet. Viyu Labnavi. But Viyu Adifiminei, in one way, in one aspect, Daniel was greater than Chagis Chari Malachi. Viyu Chaza, he saw the vision. Viyu Chaza, they did not saw. If they didn't see the vision, my time it be. So why were they shuddering? Why were they uh, trembling? They would fear. They ran to hide. But answers, even though they didn't see, but their mazel saw. Their sar in heaven saw, and that's why they trembled. The uh, Balshemtiv, they said this. Balshemtiv explains. It says, I'm sure Malavi says in Ethics of Our Fathers, sixth chapter, that every day a heavenly voice goes out and says, "Woe to my children who don't uh, don't don't study Torah." Question is, did you hear that Baskin? Did you ever hear that voice in your life? What's the point of that voice going out if we can't hear it? So the answer is, our mazel sees it. A mazel means also the part of the neshama. The neshama is so huge, so grand, grand that it can't, it can't come into our consciousness. Our consciousness is one tiny little, the tip of the tip of the iceberg of our neshama. The neshama has a life of its own, has a reality of its own that remains above and transcends our consciousness and our body. So the neshama hears and sees everything. So the neshama hears the basket. Yeah. And mazel also comes from the words, it flows down, it drips down. It's called drip down morality. From the neshama, the neshama hears it. The neshama, uh, something drips down into our consciousness, and that explains the sudden awakenings that we experience occasionally. That suddenly we feel inspired, seemingly out of nowhere, to do good. The commentaries say, why, why did Daniel have this vision about the future, the future of Mashiach, not the prophets? Because a prophet, by definition, reveals, he has to speak, he has to communicate, he has to, what he sees, Navi means to see, and Navi means to speak. So, Hashem wanted the Mashiach to remain hidden. So therefore, he didn't, he only revealed it to Daniel, who kept it a secret. Even when he wrote it, it was, it's a mystery, some, no one knows exactly what he meant. Because all the commentaries and what he meant, didn't happen. <laughs> all the, whatever they wrote, all the years that they wrote, um, didn't happen.
I think there's, there's one still, but uh, okay, so other than that, what what everything that they wrote never happened. It all passed and never didn't happen. So no one knows. It's a mystery. No one knows exactly what the Neil meant. From here we need to see. Suddenly you, you feel fear. You're trembling, you're shuddering, you feel a fear. Even though you don't see, you don't know why. You're... you're your muzzle sees. Your muzzle sees that someone wants to harm you, and therefore you're trembling. So how do you fix it? You should read the Shema. You should read the Shema. But if you can't read the Shema, you're walking down a New York City street, and... Uh, and it's dirty. And you're not allowed to read. You're not allowed to say something holy. Lynchiv midochte. He should he should jump from his place. Arba arba gan Four amas. Four cubits. Around six feet. Eloi. If he can't uh, jump, lay mahach. He should say, "Is the beitapchi shmeinamina." You should move away. You have to move away. Remove yourself. Distance yourself. Four amas from the the dirt that's there or the. The excrement that's there doesn't allow you to read the Shema and then read the Shema. And if you can't drum, say, the goats from the slaughterhouse are fatter than me. In other words, go there, leave me alone, go to the slaughterhouse and have fun there, but don't, 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 don't start up with me. He's talking to the demons. You have a sense that a demon is about to attack you or something to attack you, and you can't say the Shema, then this is what you should say to them. Okay, now we get back to the mission. Now that he said, when he says, you should read the Megillah, you should celebrate Medina, Medina, every Medina, every country, and every city. It's coming to, coming to teach us that there's, there's a Medina and there's a Medina. Mm-hmm. And then there's an ear and there's an ear. What did it come to add? Remember we learned, right, there's a city that's surrounded, a city that's not surrounded, an open city and a city that's surrounded by a wall. Medina, Medina is uh, right. And, um, and ear ve ear, whether there's, you're in a city or you're, you're the villager around the city. Or those who hold it today, the, that, that, I'm sorry, the opinion that holds that you only read the Megillah in the 14th and the 15th. Irvir comes to teach me that even the immediate area surrounding the city also follows follows the city. Okay, so the so the drasha so mishpacha mishpacha mayasa when he when he says mishpacha mishpacha family and family also has to come to teach me something. What does it come to teach me something? You know the double expression family and family. It comes to add mishpachais kohuna levia that even the family of koinim even the koinim and the levia more busy. They have to stop doing the service in the Beis HaMegdash. They have to come to read the Megillah. Kainim are busy with the service in the temple. Kainim are busy standing on the platform singing and accompanying the sacrifices. We saw them, and those are Jews who were designated to stand over the, over the sacrifices. They all cancel their service and they all come to hear the Megillah. This is where the household of Rebbe and the students 
found, leaned on this. That even when you're studying Torah, you cancel Torah. Wow. And you come to hear the Megillah. How, how did they know this? How much more so from Avaida? Ma Avaida. It's logically compelling. If Avaida Shechamura, which is so strict and so important, and we cancel the service in the temple in order to go hear the Megillah, which is lesser than the service in the temple, studying Torah, like Olshukain, that you cancel to go and uh, to hear the Megillah. Okay, so before we get to the proof, how could you say that Torah, what the, how do we know that Torah is less, less significant than the service in the temple? The question is, the obvious question is, what do you mean I canceled the Torah study to go hear Megillah? And what's exactly Megillah? Megillah is not Torah. I'm going to read the paper? What, what am I going to read? I mean, Megillah is part of the 24 books of the Torah. You have to make a blessing of the Torah before you read the Megillah. You wake up in the morning and you're going to learn Torah, you're going to read the Megillah, you have to make a blessing in the Torah. So what, what do you mean, I'm canceling Torah? It is Torah. What do you mean, canceling? So the Rebbe always discusses this, because just like if you waste time and you don't learn Torah, it's called Bittal Torah. In other words, quantity. So too, if quality-wise, if you have the capacity to learn something in depth, Hashem blessed you with a brain on your shoulder, and you have the ability to, to learn Torah with, with, with fully engaged, your mind is fully engaged, studying something in depth, and instead you use it to casually read something. Mm-hmm. That's not, so it's called Bittal Torah. Yes, I'm learning Torah, but that's not called learning Torah. I'm engaging you, reading the Megillah. Someone who can spend the time going in depth and studying a deep part of Torah, instead you're just reading the Megillah, that's called Bittal Torah. So that's what you have to learn from a priori, the Kavachayim, that if the Kainim are allowed to cancel the service in the temple to go, to go hear the Megillah, surely you have to, you have the students in the yeshiva and the Kainim have to walk away and go, and go hear the Megillah. Hmm. You say, how do we know this? Is service more important, more significant than studying of Torah? If it says in Joshua in the beginning of Joshua when they conquered Jericho, Yeshua lifted up his eyes and he saw a person with a sword standing over him. And he said, Are you from ours or are you, are you our enemy? And he says, I'm neither. I am an angel of Hashem. Atabasi. I came now. And he bowed down. Hashem's messenger. An angel. How, did, how could Yeshua bow down to an angel? You're not allowed to, you're not allowed to say, give Sholem. Greet anyone at night. Because Sholem is Hashem's name. We're worried. Maybe it's a demon. Who's walking around at night? Who's hanging around at night? Must, must be some demon. So you're, not, you, you're saying Shalom, Hashem's name. Hmm. So how could how could Yeshua bow down to him and greet him? So the shiny, awesome. There's different because the Amar since the Malach said, I'm I'm part of Hashem's army. So he knew that he's an angel. He's not a demon. So therefore, therefore he greeted him and he welcomed him and he bowed down to him to, to welcome him. Dilma Maybe he's lying. Maybe he's a demon. That's a sign he's a demon. He's a liar. He's a politician. Your mother says, Give me that we know that the loy map kishem shemayim Demons wouldn't dare say Hashem's name 
Uh, a human being who violates Hashem's will is much worse than a demon. A demon can't go against Hashem. He won't go against Hashem. That's his job. His job is to be a demon. <laughs> the Satan's job, to be the Satan, to be the tempter. But, that, but he's doing his job. He, can't, he won't say Hashem's name in vain. Okay. So Amalei said the Malo said to Yeshua, Emes, yesterday, Bitaltim, Thomas, yesterday, you did not bring the daily sacrifice. Because you were surrounding the city, you you were scouting the city, so you missed you missed the daily sacrifice, the afternoon sacrifice, and you shouldn't have done it because night time is not a time of war. You should have made sure to return in time. And now, when it's not a time of war, you're not learning Torah, you should have returned to your camp. Why are you sitting around, hanging around the city? You should have returned to camp and studied Torah. You know, they lay siege to the city. Which of these two did he come to punish me? You said we had two major sins. A, the Jewish people were so busy that we skipped we missed the daily sacrifice, the afternoon daily sacrifice. Number two, we, we, we didn't learn Torah. So for which one are you here to punish me? <laughs> for now, for the sin of now, for not learning Torah, for tonight's sin. Not yesterday's sin, tonight's sin. That's what it says, Yeshua slept the night in the, in the valley Rabbi Yechanan said we continue on side B one second so it means that, that he spent all night he spent all night in, in, in engaging in the deepest part of Torah and Allah so we see clearly that which is greater the sin of Torah Torah is greater than Avodah so how could you bring a proof? How could the Bay Rebbe bring a proof? That because the Kohenim are able to cancel, have to cancel their service in the Temple in order to Megillah, how much more so you have to cancel the study of Torah? Maybe not. Cancel the service, yes, but the study of Torah, not. The study of Torah is more significant than the study. And the Torah is even greater than bringing the daily sacrifice. It says, Atabasi. But it says like Kasha, it's not a contradiction. If it's Torah in public, the entire Jewish people stop studying, stop studying Torah. Of course, that's more significant than not bringing the daily sacrifice. But here we're talking about individuals. Every individual has an obligation to study Torah, but he has an overriding obligation to hear the Megillah. Because how much? If we stop the service in the temple. All the Kainim go to hear the Megillah. How much more so that you have to stop learning Torah? Okay. I mean, so, yeah, it wasn't the service in the temple stopping. The Kayin can say, I'm busy doing the service. That overrides. But maybe you could do both. Right. A Kayin has to, has to serve 24 7. Right. You can do both. Esau says, well, why, What do you mean Kayinim have to cancel? It's not a, you can do both. There's no time to hear the Megillah and then, and then, and then continue doing the service. Right. They would hear the Megillah right in the beginning. First thing, first thing in the morning, everyone would read the Megillah. They, you know, it's a mitzvah to do a mitzvah. So, a passion, they read the so they, they pushed off the service in the temple, was pushed off till a little later. He says, why didn't they do the service in the temple regularly in the morning and dawn? And then read the Megillah alone later. He says, no, but Megillah, it's better to read in public because you want to publicize the miracle. 
That's what it means. You push off. They pushed off the service in the temple just to read the Megillah. Hmm. How much more so that an individual should push off learning Torah because you're pushing off learning Torah. That time you could have spent learning Torah. You can never get that time back. And instead of learning Torah in depth, instead you went to hear the Megillah. Hmm. Like the Yomar, really? The Yachid Ka'al? He's saying for an individual, it's not as significant. But now we learn in the laws of mourning and made cotton, which we'll get to. Nashim, Bechel, Bechel made manes. Women, Chalamayed, allowed to all mourn together. They all read together. Avaloy metapches, but they're not allowed to, like, beat their chest. If they're right next to the bed. The deceased one, Afmatabches, because of the honor of the, de- of, the, of the maze, the one who died, they can even beat their breasts. But Rosh Chodosh Bechanaka will put him, Rosh Chodosh Bechanaka will put him, Ma'anis Bumatabches. You're allowed to, not only they can all read together the eulogy, but they can also, they can also beat their breasts. Both in Chalam Rosh Chodosh Bechanaka will put him, Mekainen means one reads and then everyone everyone responds. That you're not allowed to do. scholar passed away. You don't, all these laws don't apply. You're allowed to beat your breast. You're allowed to even be Mekainen. One person reads and everyone follows. Just like it's a weekday. If this is true, how much more so? Which are less severe, less severe and strict than than which is part of Yanta. Hmm. So we see, we see that even individual Torah scholar, that even individual Torah scholar. Is, is treated very special. It overrides the mourning, the laws of mourning of Purim. So why doesn't the, the, the learning of the Torah scholar override his, his need to hear the Megillah? Maybe he should be exempt. Mm-hmm. So he might answer, You're talking about the respect for Torah. The respect for an individual Torah scholar, that is significant. Because you have to respect him and respect someone. By respecting him, you're also showing respect to the community, to Taira. Anyone who studies Taira, who dedicated his life, day and night, to study Taira. Hmm. And that, that pushes off Purim. But he should take off a half hour, so he won't learn that half hour. Instead, he's going to hear the Megillah. That, that does not override. That's less significant. You push off the service in the temple, you delay the, t- the service in the temple for the Kainim to hear the Megillah. How much more so that you can push off his half hour? You won't learn that half hour instead of come here to the Megillah. I'm going back, I'm sorry. I mean, it's clear. If you have an option of doing the service in the temple or reading the Megillah, of course, you can read the Megillah yourself, do the service. You don't have to push off the service. You can read the Megillah. But reading the Megillah in public. So make it Megillah. Better, better to read the, hear the Megillah and read the Megillah in public and then do the service. Like we learned earlier. Because he says, Mishpacha, Mishpacha. Mishpacha, Mishpacha. Come teach me that all the families, not only the family of Israel, I mean the family of also have to go hear the Megillah. It overrides them doing the service in the temple. Hmm. And also, it's clear to me, if you have an option of learning Torah or hearing the Megillah in the congregation, 
walk away and go and go hear the Megillah. <laughs> because the Rebbe relied based on the ad they said, if you cancel, if you delay the service of the temple, hear the Megillah, how much more so? You have to delay, you have to stop learning Torah and go hear the Megillah. Also, it's clear for me, Talmud Torah, if you have an option to study Torah, to bury a Mesa Mitzvah, someone who's died and has no one to bury him, that takes precedent. But for the sake of burying, you even stop stop studying Torah to escort the dead and to bury them. To help to help a bride, to help help her get married. So we see that that overrides. As mace mitzvah is not necessarily not not being very specific. Only a mace mitzvah. Only someone who has no one to bury him. Any mace. You have a levaya. You close your books and you go to levaya. You show honor, respect, and you escort them. The last time you're escorting them, the last kindness you can do for them. And this week's parsha, chesed shalemes. It's the ultimate chesed. You know, you never he's never going to reciprocate. <laughs> but you go, you show him respect. You pay respect. You go escort him and. And also, it's clear to me, if you have to walk away from the temple to do, to bury a mason mitzvah, and here he means literally only a mason mitzvah. A can't stop the service if someone else could bury him or gives you the right to bury him. is not allowed to contaminate himself. But if there's no one else to bury him, then the Koyan has to stop the service, leave the temple and go and bury him. How do we know this? Me, me, it says, it says, it's the extra word, and to his sister. It says, by another right, the Tanya will never rise. And another right becomes holy. He's not allowed to contaminate, he's not allowed to drink wine, he's not allowed, not allowed to contaminate, come in contact with the corpse. And it says, even, even those he's, he has to mourn, his, his close relatives, his father, his mother, his brother, his sister, he's not allowed to contaminate himself. So, He's like a high priest. A high priest is not allowed to even contaminate his immediate family. Hmm. Why does it say to his sister? It says, he can't contaminate himself to any dead person. Even to his sister. Why does the Pasuk have to spell out his sister? It comes to teach us. We already had this. person who goes to Shechta says, it's a of sacrifice. Or to uh, circumcise his son, and then he hears that one of his relatives dies, his close relatives. That he should go and bury his dead and become impure, and he'll push off his Pesach. Hmm. His Pesach and push off his bris. He says, he says, no, we don't say that because a marital lo you shouldn't. So just like the Torah teaching us, so just like a nazir is not allowed to cancel his his nazirus, he's not not allowed to contaminate himself, even for his relatives. So too, this person should go proceed, offer a sacrifice, and do the bris, and he shouldn't, he shouldn't, uh, he shouldn't contaminate himself. I would think that just like he doesn't contaminate him to his immediate relatives, so too, even if he bumps into a corpse in the middle of the road and there's no one there and no one to bury him, he should not contaminate himself. Continue, go on and do the carbon Pesach and go ahead and proceed and do the bris. 
Only to his sister, he doesn't contaminate himself. Hmm. Rashi explains, in other words, all the, everything that he spells out here is coming to teach me. He's coming to teach me the same thing, that a mitzvah takes precedence over any mitzvah. Because he already said a Nazarite is not allowed to contaminate himself to anyone. Anyone means anyone, including his immediate relatives, like a high priest. Why does he have to spell out his father to his mother, to his brother, his sister? So he says, everything's coming to teach me something. To his father's coming to teach me that only his father he shouldn't, but to a Mace Mitzvah, yes. His mother's coming to teach me if he's both a Nazir and he's a Koyan. So you would think he has two holiness, because a Koyan is not allowed to contaminate. And another that, so maybe even he should not contaminate himself to a, to a mason mitzvah. He says, no, even that, he's allowed to contaminate himself to hmm. a mason mitzvah. And then when he says to his brother, if he's a koyen gadol and a nazir, <laughs> so he has, he has, not only is a koyen, he's a high priest, even to his immediate family is not allowed to contaminate. And he's a nazir, there's another holiness on top of that. Surely he should not contaminate himself to a mason mitzvah. Let someone else take care of him. So he says to his brother, not, but, but to, to a mason mitzvah, yes. You find the Mesa Mitzvah, everyone has to stop and contaminate himself, the Kohen Gadol, and take care of it. So what's, what's the Lachaisa coming to teach? Lachaisa is coming to teach that even though he's busy with these two special mitzvahs, these two positive commandments that have the punishment of Kadis, so you would think, well, I'm going to miss out Pesach, I'm going to miss out on the Bris, every second that I'm not circumcising, I'm, my life is getting cut off. I'm not going to bring Pesach, that's the whole foundation of holiness, the whole birth of holiness. It's so important that the Tate even gives us a second chance, that's how important it is. Make sure that I'm included in the carbon Pesach. So I, should, I should, I should stop and take care of this dead corpse. He's dead anyway. I should take care of him. <laughs> so Taylor says, no, you have to stop and take care of him. Even though you're going to miss the carbon Pesach, and even though you're going to miss the bris, you'll have to push it off. Wow. So we see. So how much more so that if you have the service in the temple, a mes mitzvah, it means of course the mes mitzvah override. If the kohen gadol has to contaminate himself. So how much more so? And if you're override doing the service in the temple, you're busy, you have to run to do a carbon Pesach. Nevertheless, you have to stop, contaminate yourself to take care of this mace mitzvah, the scorbs. How much more so that you have to... So you see, for Avayda, it overrides Avayda, it's more important than Avayda. You have to go and do the service. But Rabbi Rabbi asked the question, but if I have, if I can read the Megillah or mace mitzvah, which one, which one is superior? Making a Megillah the Mishum Pesuminis, and maybe maybe Megillah is the exception, because since you're publicizing the miracle, maybe I should let the let the corpse lie a little. Let me hear the Megillah, and then I'll bury him. Until we pass, maybe it's made sense. Others just recover that Bria, because the honor honor of Bria, Hashem doesn't want you lying the corpse lying around disrespectful. Master the boy, other parshta. After he asked the question, he himself answered the question. Mace mitzvah better to bury the dead than hear the Megillah in public. Why the Mar God will cover that Bria. That the honor and respect of people is greater, overrides even the prohibition in the Torah. Which prohibition is he referring to? It says by Yeshavas Abedi, the Torah says that sometimes you're allowed to, you're allowed to, um, not, yeah, not see, pretend that you don't see, you don't have to return if it's not respectful. You're going to have a respectful person going to start schlepping things in the middle of the street. He wouldn't even schlep it for himself. You start schlepping in the middle of the street. The Titus says you don't have to. Hmm. But yeah, but, but the mother, the mother, if you remember Brachas, says no, refutes that because the idea that we learn in the Titus that you don't have to. 
So it doesn't override anything. <laughs> but he says rather means there's a prohibition you're not allowed to not listen to the rabbis. Hmm. That's what the Gemara means. That the cover that Bariyas overrides and reading the Megillah, which is only rabbinic, mm-hmm. only a rabbinic, even though the rabbinic, only, only a mitzvah that's rabbinic does it override respect of the people, overrides that. Mm-hmm. Just like, because um, even though it's biblical, the Titus says you have to listen to the rabbis, but in this case, you override we learned why does it say that not only the city but anything that's near the city also is included in the city those are near to a Walden city have the same law as a Walden city mm-hmm. so he says even though you don't see it but it's considered like part of the city if you can see the city even though it's not nearby you going, for example, the Yasva, Beresha, it's on top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. The city is on top of the mountains. I can see it from a distance. Mm-hmm. Even though it's not nearby. How could it be nearby and you can't see it? Hmm. If the city is, is, is in a valley, it's very low. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it can be nearby, but I can't see it. And if it has the same law. But Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi said, Krach, a city that was in the beginning Yasha. First they build the city, and then they build a wall. It's considered like a city that's not surrounded by a wall. And, and this is in relation to the laws of if you sell a city in if you sell a house in a city that's surrounded by walls so in a city that's surrounded by walls you only get you only can redeem it that year that's it if the year is up you can never redeem it it doesn't return to you by jubilee but if you have a city that's walled in but the wall was built after the homes were built yeah. it's considered like an open city and you get to re- you get to redeem it Till the Jubilee, and then by Jubilee returns back to the owner. Mm-hmm. My time, but what's the reason? Why isn't it considered like a Walden city? Because a person who'll sell a house in a city that's surrounded by a wall. The house was built in a city that was already surrounded. First they build a wall, then they build a house. Not first they build a, a, a homes and then they then they build a wall. doesn't have ten batlanim who the community supports and they sit and and learn all day. And also they should have a minion in the morning and the afternoon and evening knitting It's a little shtetl. Manhattan on the on the heavenly map. Who knows? Without the coil, without the upper side coil, Manhattan would be a little shtetl. Doesn't even exist on the map. A little dareful. What's considered a big city? A big city is only if it has ten yidden or shul learning. Micah Mashmalon. What's Rabbi Shul coming to teach us? Nina, we already learned the brayse. Eiz irigdele. What's considered a big city? It's not considered a little village and the big city you could only only allowed to read it on the 14th, not on the 11th and the 12th and the 13th. 
If it has 10 batlonim, the community supports and they're sitting in shul all day. Less than that, it's a little village. <laughs> so, so we already learned the Braise. What's every shul Malevi coming to teach me? So Malevi is coming to teach me, even a huge, gigantic city. It's a place, a marketplace. It's in Manhattan. People come from all over. And many of them don't work. So they're visiting. So even if you don't have 10 people, you always have 10 batladim. Those who are coming from out of town or in town, they're not working. They work at home, they're not here. So I already have. So that's what he's coming to teach me. No, they're still considered a little village. You have to have 10 permanent people, members from that community. Well, but I'm sure Malavi, another thing I'm sure Malavi said, the last thing we're going to learn, a city that was destroyed in that and then it was resettled. It's considered like a city. My what do you mean it was destroyed? If you mean, if you mean to say, the walls were destroyed. So only Yashav in only if it was resettled. Only if you restored the walls. Only then do you do you call it, do you read the Megillah on the fifteenth. Lo Yashav loy, but Tanu learned the Brisa clearly not so. Rabbi Elazar, yes, Yemer, Asher loy Chayma. He says loy. He doesn't have a wall, but we read it loy. He does have a wall, so we expound what it means. Afobich in loy Yashav, even though he doesn't have now, he doesn't have loy. But he once had, but he once did have a wall. It's all that matters. We don't look at the way it is now. You can have a wall in the city now, but it didn't have a wall in times of Yeshua. It doesn't count. You can have a city that doesn't have a wall now, but it was walled in times of Yeshua. That's all that matters. So what do you mean it was destroyed and then restored? Ella rather, my that the Kailul, the Kailul closed down. <laughs> the ten people stopped, stopped coming to Shul. The, 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 the ten Batlonim. And then you restore it, so once again, now, so then it became like a little village again. <laughs> now it was restored, now it has a din of a big city. We'll stop over here. Everyone have a wonderful, wonderful.